Hello everyone, Stephen here. I am going for a walk outside under some trees. You can hear some leaves rustling, you can hear some birds chirping. And I thought I'd take a leaf out of the book of Adam Buxton, who is the host of one of my favorite podcasts. And he often introduces his podcasts while going for walks. And I thought, why? I could try that and we'll see. I don't know if it works, but hopefully this will be something that could go forward in the future. I was getting a few emails and uh, requests and and also people directly asking me questions about the uh, 11th of November uh, Remembrance Day services and also I often get requests from Americans about Memorial Day and Veterans Day services. And I thought that I'd like to just offer my little thoughts on why I don't wear the red poppy. And what I do, or why I don't celebrate those days. And hopefully this will be an answer to all the various questions that come in. I probably should say that these questions came in after the 11th of November and so I wasn't able to deal with this before Memorial Day services and and Remembrance Day services but but I think that this is something that's worth talking about anyway why I don't celebrate or why I don't wear a poppy I guess there's a number of reasons the first would be to think about truth to avoid euphemisms. A lot of these Memorial Day services and Remembrance Day services, just notice the language that is used, the euphemisms about people who lost their lives or people who died for us. And let's just remind ourselves of some of the language that's get used. So they died for us. They lost their lives. These brave soldiers uh, died to protect our freedoms. Or you often see uh, our religious freedoms is another one that often gets done. It's like they died so that we could worship in freedom. Or they died so that we might be free now. And you get a lot of that rhetoric. I think that that's fair to say that that's often on the lips of people, especially preachers, especially Christians who talk about these things. Also accompanied often with verses like, greater love is no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And this is a verse, it's from Jesus in the Gospel of John, where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And this often gets put uh, directly onto memorials and cenotaphs and on plaques and things. And you'll often see that verse followed by a list of names of people who died in the the First and Second World Wars, for example. The reason why I'm cautious about this stuff, the reason why I don't like it, is because it's a euphemism here. They didn't lose their lives. They were killed. And they were killed 
in all cases, <laughs> by other men who also were trying to expand their territory and also in the name of Christianity. So the, uh, the uh, Remembrance Day services, the poppy, is meant to be for the First World War. The First World War involved English, Austrian, French, German, Russian, American, Canadian, Greek, you name it. Basically, they were Christians fighting other Christians, or Christian nations fighting other Christian nations. I would like to suggest that nobody's faith was being threatened here. There was no freedom to worship. And these lives were being killed by other men who were taking up arms against their enemies. Likewise, there's a euphemism about the men who died, and we remember them. But soldiers' job is not to die, it's to kill. And so every single man who, who, uh, who died on our side, as it were, on the Allies' side, the side that's remembered by the Red Poppies, those were also people who took up arms against their enemies. And I just want to point out that on all the different sides, what we have is a concerted, organized attempt to disobey Jesus. The killing of the enemies is precisely what soldiers are meant to do. And of course, you could make all sorts of arguments that a nation needs to kill in order to preserve its laws and its land. And nobody's arguing that that's what nations need to do to remain nations. And all I'm trying to say is, Jesus doesn't want me to kill people in the name of my nation. That being a follower of Jesus comes up against the demands of being a follower of your nation. And that leads to all sorts of issues which we talk about often on the Tent Theology podcast and which many, many, many followers of Jesus have dealt with. This is not a new issue. But the arguments against war or against killing are not so much arguments uh, of how to defend a nation without killing. It's how to be a follower of Jesus in this world which constantly uses killing as its solution. And being a follower of Jesus quite simply just doesn't make you a very good patriot. I don't know how else to say it. And we're trying to follow a different way. So I'm, I'm uh, worried about this euphemism and these lies that take over our religious services when we memorialize soldiers. The other thing is that people will quite often say, oh, the red poppy is not celebrating war. We're actually remembering the tragedy of war. And it was meant to be a reminder that never again. Well, here's the other lie. The red poppy now has expanded to include soldiers in all wars. And you often see this, that in the UK, the red poppy now becomes also a memorial for the Second World War. It becomes a memorial for people who died in Afghanistan or who fought in the Falklands Wars. It's expanded to become a, a way to remember and to celebrate 
the soldiers in all of our wars. Which, by the way, just shows the lie of the red poppy, which was meant to remind us of the great and final war to end all wars. Clearly, that has not happened. The red poppy is meant to be a symbol to remind us of the tragedy of war. And yet, watch what happens in the UK when newscasters, for example, don't want to wear the red poppy. There are people, we have celebrated stories of various public figures on television who didn't want to wear the red poppy precisely because they thought that it was actually glorifying or memorializing something that they were opposed to. They were opposed to war, and yet the outcry and the social and public pressure is so immense that they're forced to wear their red poppies. And you see like this kind of competition to out-poppy the other people. And you see these displays of red poppies everywhere, and you see large, they get larger and larger and more prominent. And it becomes quite clearly a competition of who is better able to show their patriotism. And the patriotism link to the poppies is made explicit by the patriotic outlets we have, such as the Daily Mail and elsewhere that red poppies in the popular imagination are identified not with opposing war, but with celebrating patriotism. The other lie that is demonstrated quite clearly is the idea of the wearing the white poppy. Sometimes you will see people wearing a white poppy, and the white poppy has been brought about by Quakers and some other pacifist groups who are precisely wearing a white poppy to demonstrate that they are remembering the war death on all sides. They are trying to protest against war in all its manifestations. And again, look what happens when public figures try and wear white poppies. They get lambasted. They get shouted down. They get fired. So clearly, the red poppy is not a symbol of opposition to war. It's a symbol of showing pride in your side who fought against the other side. Because if we really did hate war in all its manifestations, we'd all be wearing white poppies, or no poppies at all. The other thing that comes up a lot is, of course, that verse, greater love is no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And just the euphemism here, or the lies, laying down your life is what Jesus commanded. Killing your enemies is what he explicitly said not to do. We've conflated these two things, that laying down your life is the same as killing an enemy, and it's not. And in fact, laying down your life for your friends is precisely what a lot of non-violent resistors or non-violent activists are trying to do. They are trying to be at the forefront of evil without wrecking evil on other people. They are taking murder into themselves without inflicting murder on their enemies. And it's a really tough road to follow. It's not at all an easy way to live. It requires at least as much organized and collective effort to be a peaceful, non-violent resistor to evil as it does to be a violent resistor to evil. But this is something that you just notice the Christian population at large has no appetite for. They don't want to try and organize themselves in ways that they genuinely lay down their life 
for their friends, who, by the way, are also your neighbors, who are also your enemies. They don't want to lay down their life for these people. They'd like to kill these people instead. The First World War and the Second World War and all these wars that are being remembered by these services are all examples of disobedience, defiance, and failure to the way of Jesus. They're not services that represent people trying desperately to obey Jesus and the way of Jesus. And these wars are all being done by nations that call themselves Christian or have Christian roots in their culture. So I just don't like to participate in this because it doesn't reflect the truth. And it's not because the human beings involved were evil in all cases. It's not because all these soldiers that you see listed on these memorial plaques were explicitly violently trying to disobey Jesus. It's that they were swept up in a system that itself was evil. And it's the system of war. It's the constant waging of war for the sake of remembering the memories of previous people who died in war. That's the problem. Stanley Hauwas is the theologian who's put a lot of thought into this, and I recommend his books on this. One book, A War and the American Difference, is a, is a really good book. And he talks about how this memorializing of this, it's almost a fetishization or a, a, a worship of soldiers. And you see this very clearly in, in the United States, but you do see it here in the UK and in Canada as well during some of these times where the reverence and the sacred awe of the soldier and of the whole system that led to soldiers, it, it itself is the thing that is being perpetuated by this memorialization. So you always ask, well, why did we fight the Falklands War? Well, we fought the Falklands War so that the soldiers who fought in the Second World War would not have died in vain. Well, why did we fight the Second World War. We fought the Second World War so that the memory of the soldiers who died in the First World War would not be tarnished. Why did we fight in the First World War? We fought in the First World War so that the memories of the soldiers who died in the previous wars, the Civil Wars, the Boer War, would not be tarnished. It just goes back and back and everyone's fighting in order to preserve the memory of previous generations who fought. And that itself is a system, it's a principality, it's a faceless power which controls our life. And so I'm resisting the principality of war memorialization. I'm resisting the narrative that we're being swept up into. And it uses sentimental language, and it uses holy language, it uses sacred language, it brings in deliberate theological and divine and Christian ideas in order to create a system which you cannot question, which gives you meaning, that gives these soldiers who died their lives meaning. But killing your enemies should not give you your life's meaning. So I see these soldiers as victims of a principality that has grown too big, that has become a little god, that is trying to offer people their meaning, their ultimate meaning. We use the language of ultimate sacrifice, by the way, which is extremely theological. 
And so we have this principality which has said, it is war that gives you meaning, and then it demands human sacrifice in order to keep going. And that's what false gods do. So I see a lot of these things that we do as really just feeding the principality, just feeding it what it needs to keep lurching forward into history. And for my part, the only way I can resist that is to not wear it, is to not participate in it. And I, I'm aware of principalities. I think that principalities are powerful forces. They're real. They're invisible, but they're real. And one of the things that we have to do when we are in opposition against the rulers and authorities and principalities and powers of this world is to witness to them, which is precisely what the earliest Christians did in the New Testament. They witnessed to the powers. Colossians 2, Jesus on the cross exposed the powers to open shame. His submission to evil without wreaking evil on other people, his submission to his enemies, his laying down his life without taking the life of others, is described in Colossians 2 as precisely the moment in which the powers and principalities were exposed to open shame. So this is the sorts of things that I would like to see other followers of Jesus start to express, start to organize themselves in ways that they help each other to witness against the powers that have gripped our popular culture. And that's the kinds of things that I say to people when they ask me about the poppies. So what do you do on the actual day? What do you do on the 11th of November? What do you do on Memorial Day? What do you do on Veterans Day? And I've got some good emails from people who have quietly opted out or who have found ways to participate in their church service without having to say the words and things. And I, I agree, it's a tough time. I think it is tough because of the principality, because it has colonized so many people's imaginations, because these people who are wearing poppies and are celebrating these services are genuinely filled with thankfulness for the men who died and killed for them. I don't see them as actors with ill will. I don't see these people as operating in a way in a way that's hypocritical or in a way that's evil. So I just quietly opt out to be honest. I think if I was to stand up in, <laughs> if I was to stand up in the middle of one of these services or if I was to preach a sermon on the 11th of November, it would just cause needless offense. It would only be feeding, I feel, the, the principality of opposition, of division, of setting us against them. So I confess, I, I don't really know how to relate to it, except so far as myself, I'd quietly opt out. I quietly do not go to those services. I do not participate in them, because I don't want to be put in a position where I either have to participate in the principality because of social pressure or cause needless uncomprehending offense to people of goodwill around me. But that's what I'm trying to do. And partly it's, it's a job that can't be done by ourselves. You can't do it by yourself, which is why I'm often encouraging people to, to try and find ways to collectively have a response to these things and to collectively notice what's going on around us, what sort of pressures are being put on us, 
What expectations is the culture demanding of us? What language is being used when we talk to ourselves about ourselves when it comes to war and soldiers? What theological language? How does Jesus get used? How does language like divine or ultimate or sacrifice, how does that get used? What happens, who do we make sacred on these days? And I think for any serious worshipper of God and follower of Jesus, those things have got to cause you some pause. They've got to create a space where you realize these words are being used in a situation in an area that actually has nothing to do with the way of Jesus and the life of God. So there you go. That's my response to these services and these events. And I hope that it starts to give you some idea of how to approach them. There are a number of resources and, uh, and books. As I say, there are plenty of people out there who are concerned about this and are thinking about this. And there, it, this is not a, a new idea at all. <laughs> and I certainly have not invented my, my discomfort at the poppies and the memorial days. So I would encourage you to be plugged in to many of the people that have appeared on the Tent Podcast, to pay attention to some of the previous episodes on violence and uh, and, and buying, uh, where Jesus tells people to buy the sword, or perhaps the episode about Romans 13 and authority to government. I'd encourage you to listen to some of the episodes where there are people who are actively trying to find ways to work as people of peace in a world addicted to killing. But until then, go in peace and bless you all.